Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brand. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is paying for people who are dealing with HSV stigma to get therapy services for free. This podcast features interviews with people who are living with HSV, otherwise a virus known as herpes, and uh, them sharing their experiences from diagnosis to disclosure to everything in between. Um, if you are a listener of the podcast, I encourage you to find me on Facebook via something positive for positive people podcast group. This group is not exclusive to people who have herpes. So if that's something that you're looking for and you're not, you know, quite ready to step out of your comfort zone and begin mingling with people who have the mutual connection of just enjoying the something positive for positive people podcast, and this may not be for you. Uh, my intention with this group is to begin bridging the gap by getting people outside of their comfort zones of only communicating about herpes with people who they know have herpes. Um, I often share my experience of um, after I began to really find myself through groups uh, where other people had herpes and I felt like I could be myself because that one thing weighing on me was also the one thing that people all had in common and seeing myself outside of that around people who've known me my entire life who didn't know I had herpes and just how reserved I was. Uh, there came a crossroads point in my life uh, for my personality and I had to decide who I wanted to be. Did I want to be that person I like more around complete strangers who knew this vulnerable piece of information about me and we shared that? Or did I want to be that quiet, reserved person that people uh, that known me for most of my life didn't really know? So bridging that gap in my personal experience, just looked like telling my family and friends that I had herpes. It looked like me doing this podcast. It looked like me uh, putting my healing on display. And for you, that just may look like finding a community of open-minded, like-minded individuals who support a similar cause and being able to just connect, communicate, date, socialize, network, uh, share funny memes and a sex-positive environment um, where people can talk about that kind of stuff. So. Uh, it's just something positive for positive people podcast. If you search it on Facebook, just send me a message, add me on Facebook, and I'll get you added. This is exclusive to podcast listeners. I'm not promoting it or talking about it any other way, just through the podcast in hopes of building that kind of community. All right, today's guest, Liz, you are glowing. Like you are just smiley and just like, oh my God. How you feeling? to know like that you're actively trying to help with whatever's going on with the stigma and it just feels empowering and it gives me hope to see that all the work that you do thank so you i just wanted to say thank you i appreciate that it means a lot uh i've been struggling lately with accepting compliments and when people say thank you and things like that uh i don't know what it is i think that for a long time in my life I've not really gotten that kind of praise, so it's really uncomfortable. Um, one of my visceral reactions is to downplay it and be like, oh, no, thank all the guests. The, the guests are amazing. Like, I've, I've done that historically, but uh, putting myself through therapy has probably been one of the most helpful things for me, uh, even with that and recognizing a lot of the patterns that I've had and this being one of them. Uh, so it's not as hard for me to just accept the compliment now and say thank you and give credit to 
all the guests and the listeners when it's due after I accept the compliment that was given to me. So I appreciate it. Yeah. That. Yeah. I, I definitely can relate to that. It, it, it's been hard for me sometimes to accept compliments in general about anything, but I have, I have seen a therapist too and uh, worked on self care, self love. And that's the only thing that I have to keep reminding myself of. It's a daily work. Oh yeah. Uh, to be able, yeah, because we have a constant voice in our head talking to us, and it can either be a good voice or a bad voice. So mm. we just have to manage that. Yeah. So you got a voice in your head, and you also got a baby in your belly, right? So which <laughs> one's louder, the the kicks or the voice? I know. It's like I have two brains, but the baby controls everything. Yeah. He tells me what I want to eat, if I want to sleep, um, if I'm in a good mood. Yeah. She f- says everything. How far along are you? Right now, I am almost eight months. No shit. So, were you pregnant when we yep. first connected? Yeah. Okay, okay. I wasn't sure. I had, I had just I had just found out I was pregnant when I first, when I first listened to your podcast and contacted you. Yeah. Okay. And how's that been so far? Have you had any complications at all in relation to HSV? Oh, so I had a huge worry about HSV, um, but everybody in the healthcare system seemed to be okay. Like, everybody just seemed to be like, oh, yeah, you have HSV. All you have to do is just be on Velocilcliver, um on your 36, 36 week, and then you're going to be fine. You can give natural birth. And I'm like, oh. I thought I, I thought I was going to have to have a C-section, but then I come to find out that in reality, um, unless you contract the, unless you contract the virus, is that a term that we could use? Mm-hmm. Unless you contract the virus when you are, like, if a, if a woman is, wants to get pregnant and they get pregnant and then they contract the virus throughout their pregnancy, then it's more likely to cause complications. Um, but if the woman had the virus beforehand, like a few months or years before that, then the body gets it's already has already created the anti. What do you call that? Yeah, the anti, antibodies. Antibodies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Were you? No, so I was worried, but. How long have you been positive? Since um, August. 2019. Wait a minute. So, wait, wait, wait. I'm doing math in my head and I'm not doing very well. So, 13 months. Okay. Uh, what's the story? And then I'll ask questions. <laughs> okay. All right. So, okay. I guess it all started when I was dating someone. So, I was dating someone for five years. And this person and I broke up. And... Like, they were, like, the love of my life. They were, like, the, my first love and everything. And so, when we broke up, all I wanted to do was just, I guess, have sex with everyone. So, because I, I was only with that person at first. Uh, so, I just said to myself, you know what? I've been monogamous for five years. I've not known anything different. So, I'm just going to go ahead and have casual um, sex with who 
whoever. And so I did. Um, and then I don't know if I was just floating in a cloud of not understanding the world, but um, I caught HS. I like I had. I found out I had HSV, and I was like, I think I went into like a depressive episode, and I wasn't aware of it at the time. Um, and so I started to tell because I knew I was with different partners. I felt the responsibility to tell everyone I had just been with, although, although I know it wasn't necessarily my responsibility, I felt the responsibility to tell everyone that I had been with that I had HSV. Number one, for just for like respect and like for them to not feel like for them, if, if they had it because of me, I didn't want them to feel lonely. And also low key because I wanted to know if who was the one who gave it to me, right? Okay, so for me, that was that was crazy because there was this one person who I was, like, the most into. Like, he, he has been, like, one of the most, like, good-looking and amazing people I have been with. Uh, and so he was the only one I didn't want to say anything because I was afraid that he would think I was sturdy and that he would reject me. So, like I said, I was literally in depression because I literally felt that way about myself. And so then, um, I told, I told one of, one of, one guy, and he was like, what the heck, you have herpes? That's horrible. Um, and he was super immature about it. He just hung up the phone and he never talked to me again. I think he blocked me. Um, and then, <laughs> yeah, and I had been seeing that person for maybe six months, like on and off. It wasn't that, like, we were, we were partners, we were casual, but still, like, we had a kind of a relationship. So it was just crazy that he disappeared. Um, and then this other person, they were like kind of my friend, but we also, we were having casual sex and they were very, actually very supportive. But, um, I don't know, I, I came to realize that the other person may have been much more, I think the reason why they were so nice about it was not, was not only because they were reasonable, but because I think they were like kind of really into me and, and they just didn't want to lose me because of anything, right? Um, but I really wasn't, I wasn't vibing with them as much as he was with me. Ain't that crazy how that works out? <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, and so now that I, like, now, now that I'm verbalizing it, I'm like, oh, that sounds really, like, kind of sad. But, I mean, I can't change the way I feel. That's just the way that I feel. Yeah. That's yeah. something, that's relatable. Uh I've been way more interested in a lot of people that weren't as interested in me. And I recognize that there were people who were way more interested in me than I was in them. And so finding that balance is really challenging because where we find ourselves like overthrown by intense 
connection or chemistry with somebody. It's like, oh, I need that. And I think it just kind of makes us a little bit loopy to where our judgment, you know, may not, our, our judgment isn't at its best. Like we'll like or go for people who don't have that same interest in us. And when somebody yeah. comes at us the way that we go at those people, we're like, it'll get away from me. Or, uh, I'm not all that interested. Uh, all yeah. right. I guess you're all right. But it, it just seems like, what's what's balance look like? Like, that's the ultimate question. What does it look like for a healthy, mutual craziness about one another? Yeah, yeah. It's, I haven't, I still haven't figured that out for myself. <laughs> <laughs> Although I dated someone for five years, it was a, it was a toxic relationship because it was full of codependency. So it felt like we both were as much into each other, or we were like constantly in a fight of, of, but are you really that into me? And then I would show that I was, and then he would be like, and then I would feel like he wasn't that much into me because I was putting more work. So it was like a constant war of showing who, like, who really loves the other person. Yeah. Um, Which is very, it sounds very like, I guess, emotionally immature. We were young. How old are you now? Yeah. I'm 24. Okay. All right. Like, hold on. Yeah. We were young. I'm finding myself interviewing a lot of people that are like between 21 and 27, and I, I just feel like, damn, where'd the time go? Like, y'all do it. Like, the difference between your experiences, or I'm yeah. sorry, like the younger people's experiences compared to the older people's experiences there seems to be even more of like this sense of liberation from the younger group because there's like this acknowledgement of being sad, acknowledgement of depression and emotions altogether. Whereas with the older people, there's more of like an avoidance or an anger. There's, there's usually some sort of a resentment or anger uh, from the older people that I interview, but with the younger people, it's just kind of like, yeah, I was depressed, and I talked to somebody, I told my friend, my friend supported me, they encouraged me to get therapy, and I started disclosing to everybody, and I, like, my jaw just drops at some of the conversations that <laughs> I'm having with 21-year-olds, because I'm about to be 32 in November, and I'm just like, damn, like, I cannot... I look at where I was at 24 years old when I received my diagnosis and I wasn't near there. Like being able to reach out because I, I recall having to reach out to three people specifically um, and just asking if they had herpes and all of them told me no. And that response was just like, well, shit, I guess I gave it to myself, right? <laughs> so um, it's, it's just, it's really cool to see the difference in how younger generations are managing their responses to their diagnosis. Yeah, so, um, well, okay. I still have to finish the story, but I want to mention this before. So, basically, when I first got diagnosed, you know how they say, like, when you get diagnosed, it's crucial who tells you? Like, that you, yeah. Okay, well, I had a person that was not sensitive at all about it like they were not so I had so I have HSV1 uh, genital and so at that time I didn't know anything about HSV I just knew like oh yeah herpes is like a horrible thing that horrible people get 
And so I got pimples and then they became sores. And so I went to the doctor because I knew something was wrong. Like something wasn't, didn't, didn't seem normal down there and it was painful. And so this lady was like, oh yeah, it looks like you have herpes. How many people have you had sex with in the past two months? And I was like, really? Like, I could have had sex with one, or ten, or twenty, and I still could have gotten it anyway. But why are you asking me this question that sounds, well, to me, personally, it sounded like shameful because I grew up Catholic, conservative. I'm not anymore, but it was just like, did she really have to say it like that? And so it was just really hurtful. And then I started to like, I went into this deep sadness. And I, the first thing I wanted to do, I felt like I was like, like below water and I couldn't breathe. And I had to like find a way to reach up. And I felt like the only way that I could do that was if I found a support group. I don't know how it came to my mind, but I just said, there has to be a support group for this. There has to be a support group at my university, at, um, on Facebook, on, in Houston. That was so hard to find. Those things were so hard to find. Like, I found one on Facebook that was public, but it just didn't feel, I didn't feel like it seemed more like a, like a dating site more than anything. And then I was like, oh, yeah, for sure, you know. I looked at the statistics. A lot of young people have it, or just people in the world in general have it. So there must be a support group in my university. I go to a big university. Um, and so I was like, okay, yeah, I mean, I guess it would be fine. No, nothing. I asked therapists. I asked. I looked on websites. I looked everywhere, and nothing. Um, and then I started to think that I wanted to open a support group myself because I thought the way that I felt, I didn't want anybody to feel that way and I wanted them to feel supported. But again, I was going through depression. I was going through un untreated depression. <laughs> so I just couldn't do it for the, like I just couldn't do it because I didn't have the emotional strength at the time. Um, yeah, so all those things happened in less than three months, and it was devastating. Um, but then I eventually, I think from a Facebook group, I ended up finding other support groups on Facebook that were private that I couldn't see because they are private closed groups, which is kind of good, but not at the same time because... How was I supposed to find that? <laughs> right? That's, because uh, no one who is really where you were in your initial state of diagnosis, I don't think that people want others to know that they're associated with anything in regards to herpes. So the groups that you are able to find, you may not want to be a part of because anyone can find them, right? So we have this assumption yeah. in our head initially that anyone can search that group what if someone looks in there and sees my name, if, if someone knows me? But the thing we got to understand is for people to seek out and find those groups, it's because they need it. It's not yeah. because they're, oh, man, you know, 
I'm seeing this girl. I like her. I'm going to have sex with her. Let me see if she's in one of these uh, herpes support groups, right? (laughs) Otherwise, there's so many other things that people would need to do that for, like mental health, uh, other STIs, HIV, HSV, HPV, uh, or if they're being talked about uh, on whatever, any of those blogs where they shit on the, like, uh, a shitty ex, right? So. The, the secret groups you can only be invited to. No one can search for them on uh, Facebook. You have to be invited. That's the only way you'll know about it. The private ones usually have some sort of a name that isn't HSV uh, specific. Yeah. Like if you search yeah. herpes, you won't find it. But yeah. if you know what to look for, you'll be able to find it. Um, and so like that's what I did with like my group with the something positive for positive people group. Like it's not again, you know, I mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast, but it's not going to be it's not exclusive to herpes and it's private. You can search it, but I'm approving everybody who comes in. So if you listen to the podcast, you're here to add, invite yourself, like reach out to me. I'll get you in there. And um, this isn't for people who just want to come in here and only date people with herpes like that's not what this is for this is for people who um want to heal want to just be themselves around people that it's safe to be themselves in front of so um for where you were i'm curious since we're on the topic now like how would you have responded to finding a group like the one that i'm mentioning like yes you can ask for advice, ask for, seek support, vent, and all those kinds of things. But at the same time, like, the main nature of this group is to essentially make friends through a common interest or through the commonality of supporting the podcast. So I have, uh, okay, the first question, the first first answer to your question is, that would have been amazing if it had been at the university because it would be like people from my university, which I'm sure there are people. Um, and that would have been awesome because like we go to the same school, we may be in a similar program and you know, we have similar interests because we're going to school together. So that would have been awesome. But that wasn't the case. Instead, I did find a support group in Houston. So they do have support groups, but this, I had to like, dig into five different groups, text like 10 different people and see if they were going to add me so they could refer me to someone else and add me to that group. <laughs> oh yeah, it's safe getting through that process. It's a filtered process for sure. Mine ain't like that. I don't want to go through that shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was desperate. I just wanted someone yeah. who like, I could just talk to and wasn't going to be surprised. What's, so yeah, I did. Um, what's interesting is that you wanted something close and potentially in person. I don't find a lot of people that want that. Like you don't want to, a lot of people, again, older generation, they don't want to show their face. Like even in the groups, you'll see people's profile pictures or they'll make like a second Facebook account just to be yeah. a part of these groups. And That's true. you don't have any idea what they look like. You don't know what their yeah. real names are. So for you to be so ready to find something that was there with people you might be in classes with or the same program or on the same campus with, uh, that that speaks volumes. Yeah, yeah, because I just feel like um, I would have felt 
I just wanted to find someone I could feel safe with to talk about it with. Um, and so, and so the group that I found, I don't know if it's because I was the youngest person in that group, the in-person group. Everybody was like 40 and above. <laughs> and I, I still went because, you know, they were talking about herpes, like, naturally and they were talking also about like hiv and hpv like it was like everything and so i was learning a lot right um and so i just i guess it felt also nice to see that older people have already been through it and i could like just learn from their experiences and i'm not so much just trapped on my own um so yeah but let me finish the story about I keep my cutting diagnosis. you off. My bad. <laughs> hey, <laughs> okay. wait, real quick. How much time do you have? I know you said you had a six thirty thing, and it's five forty three. I do. Yeah. Um, when you got so leave. yeah, I have to be somewhere at six thirty. I mean, it's online. Oh, we good then. Come on, go ahead, finish your story. I'm gonna sit here and, and <laughs> okay, okay, uh, okay. intentionally listen. I was telling you that I was looking for I was telling everybody what that I had been with that I had it I wanted to disclose to them but at the same time I also wanted to know if they had given it to me and so this the last person that I didn't tell was somebody that I was the most attracted to and so this person um went out of town for a while and then they came back and hit me up and I had like in the period of time that they, they left and came back I a few weeks passed by I got diagnosed I basically became depressed and then this person came back and so I was already in the mindset of you know you can't tell him because gonna know and he's not gonna like you anymore but at the same time you can't see him because you don't want to give it to him if he doesn't have it so that would be really horrible well this person kept insisting to see me and i was like well maybe if they try one more time i'll i'll disclose let's see <laughs> and so they did they tried once again and i i looked up on the support groups how to disclose to someone i practiced in the mirror and I, like, disclosed to them on FaceTime. Well, it turns out this person had it, too. Uh, <laughs> and, of course, it must have been them who gave it to me because they have HSV-1, but they don't have it general. They have it orally. So I assume that it just happened somewhere in there. like. And so, I mean, at first I was like, bothered but at the same time I was like thank god it was you because <laughs> you are so hot <laughs> and now I don't have to worry about that <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how terrible that sounds but that was literally what I was thinking it sounds real not terrible I'm, I'm trying not to laugh go ahead I'm still seeing that person. Uh, and so, yeah, 
I mean, it's a lot. I don't, I don't know what else to say without saying too much. You ain't got to. No, stop. That's it. Because <laughs> I, I think I know where it's going. Uh. Alright. <laughs> Is that what you trying to avoid saying? Alright. Well, we, we're not saying your name, so can we just go ahead and, and say it? Okay. Yeah, so this is a person that uh, I got pregnant from, and so like, we like, we both wanted to have a kid, but we weren't like, ready to be committed. And so we just we just knew that we both wanted to have a kid. And for a while, like, it was a whole ordeal, a mess. But lately, in the past few months, this person seems to have been, like, really putting their priorities uh, in their lives. And I think that he wants to be involved a lot more. And, like, we basically, like, we're really close now. And we have built a stronger relationship, which I'm really thankful for because the father of my kid my daughter so yeah okay um so oh, damn now i got questions unless you're done or if you're done i think i'm done all right i think so okay so did you first off did you plan was it, was it planned for you two to have the child you said you both wanted it and talked about it but like was it supposed to happen now or was it something that you talked about later so now, so since we're not saying names, I can say the full story. So basically, this person has a low sperm count, and they basically said that they have never been able to get anybody pregnant, and they have almost even tried the I the what do you call it the thing that you inject into an ovary and oh IUD IUD IUD. That they nearly tried that because they really wanted to have children. Wait, and wait, so, wait. I'm sorry. No, no, wait. So you're talking about your father of your child yeah. has a low sperm count. So he was going to try. No, the IUD. I got that completely wrong. So the IUD goes inside the uterus. It's this copper little thing that goes inside yeah. of it. You to prevent pregnancy. What was he talking about? Like freezing sperm? Okay, all right. Yeah, I had that way backwards. <laughs> okay, yeah, the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he wanted to do that. Um, and so he, like, it, like, that just showed to me that he really wanted to have a child. But at the same time, I was like, it's not going to happen right away if we start trying now because I've never been pregnant before, and I don't even know if I can get pregnant. And I know that he checked, and he has a low count, so... I think I have some time and so yeah it took about six seven months um and then I mean I'm glad it happened because when it happened sort of because I finished my undergrad right at the same time and so yeah Good. all right congratulations yeah. thank you yeah um, yeah. I was gonna say so. This is a miracle baby, but no, it just it just happened. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say that sounds like some uh, some shit some guys I know would say, uh, and by guys I know I mean like me. Uh, yeah, I, I don't <laughs> think I can get anybody pregnant. Just uh, do we gotta use condoms? No. <laughs> Let me stop. 
all right. So this is good though. Like this is awesome that you were able to finish school. That uh, the person that you were hoping you got herpes from gave it. To- <laughs> that is such herpes. a. I mean, do I sound terrible for saying that? I just feel like that's my truth. Like that's just simply how how I felt, and I just feel like I don't know. Yeah. I mean, what would have been the alternative? Well, I got a question. So. Do you not feel any resentment to him for not disclosing? Or does him just being hot kind of, like, negate that? Both. (laughs) It's a balance. And so, basically, I felt a lot of resentment at first. And I still sometimes do. But very little because I'm having his child. So, it's like, I feel more love for him than anything. But, uh... First, I was confused because because he had he had oral HSV, and so most people that have oral HSV, like they have no idea that it is actually an STD and that they could give it to someone else. And that's what he told me. That's the first thing that he said. He said when he got diagnosed with it, they said that it was nothing. That it was basically cold sores. You know the whole story about people always saying, "Oh, it's just a cold sore. It's nothing." Uh, well, my mom has cold sores, and my sister, too, um, and so they, like, I think that they know it's herpes, uh, because they talk about it like it's herpes, um, but I guess it's still less stigmatized, somewhat, because it's not down there. That's no fun, like, just having an oral herpes, that's not fun. You get the genital herpes, I mean, it shows you, uh, your adventures, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I-, I thought you were gonna say something else. And so, um, and so, yeah. I mean, I just feel like I just, I just feel like at first it was very hurtful, and I was angry at him, but at the same time, I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. Because there is really so little knowledge about herpes, and there is still so much stigma about it that it just only makes sense that there is a high possibility that he just didn't know better. Mm-hmm. He didn't think that he needed to disclose that he had oral herpes, uh, which most people don't that I know of. They don't. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so... How's your relationship now? Are you still, are you monogamous with him now? Or are you still in that space of wanting to explore? He's out of town. And while I'm pregnant, and it's a pandemic, it's COVID, I'm high risk. So even if I wanted to, I can't. (laughs) So like, I guess I'm curious about that now. Like, how did you feel... Uh, do, do you feel like having herpes ended your sex life? Obviously, pandemic, pregnancy, yeah. you know, like, this yeah. aside, oh, yeah. you felt like your free sex life was over. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I felt like everything fell onto me. Like, I was like, not only am I pregnant, but I have herpes. And I, it's a pandemic, so I'm high risk. And so, 
I, at first, like, at the beginning of my pregnancy, I wasn't really with this person, like, we weren't monogamous, we weren't really, like, talking seriously, so I was, like, looking for a partner, like, just to hang out with, and a few of them were, like, but you're pregnant, what, what do you mean, like, you're pregnant, you, you're not supposed to be, like, having sex with somebody else, and I was, like, well, screw you, like, why would you say that? It's my choice. Yeah. Was it, I mean, was that something that was communicated? Like, you told them, hey, I'm pregnant. Me and the uh, the child's father are not together. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So, so were I, guys just like, ew, you're pregnant. Get away from me. So, most of them, yeah. Most of them were, like, intimidated. I don't know if it's, like, intimidated or disgusted. What's the right word? Um, Did they know who like, the guy was? Who the father? No. Okay, because that would, I mean, I guess that would make sense, like, out of respect for that person, but if they don't know him, I don't know. I, I, I can't say how I would have been in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's the way that I approached it, and also it was through text message, because it wasn't possible to do it face-to-face, because pandemic doesn't let us do that um but yeah i mean that didn't work out and i like it almost did like there was this one person who was like indecisive and they're like okay you know what like i think i really like you why don't you come over then i was like that's too much work and i don't i don't think i want to drive to this person's house i just want to sleep in my own bed i like my room just the comfort I just want comfort right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. How did he feel about you still dating other people? Like, I'm assuming that he was dating other people as well? He was, but we never really talked about it. Uh-huh. Like, like I know that he was because I asked him. And I assume he knows that I was because we weren't serious. But usually he just doesn't doesn't like the topic of it so we kind of like avoid it which mm-hmm. is not necessarily a good thing mm-hmm. um but when we like like right now i've made it clear to him that i would like for us both to be monogamous and oh well i didn't mention this part he is out of town he has to go out of town for work very often so, um, so yeah, I mean, I just, we just have to verbalize that. And so it's, it's pretty complicated because it's also kind of like a long distance relationship. Mm. Well, I guess like at this point, um, cause I, if I was him, I would just assume you're not having sex because you're pregnant. So you wouldn't want to have sex. Uh, I know that that's kind of what I would have been thinking at, I'm assuming he's around your age. Like, that's what I would have been thinking. But, like, yeah. now I'm just like, well, I, from what I know, you know, some people can be, I don't want to have sex. I don't feel attractive. Other people can be, uh, I want to, like, I'm, I'm ready to go all the time. So, like, I know that yeah. there's this whole spectrum of that and whatever in between. Um, but 
Where was I going with that? I was going somewhere with it and I lost it. But uh, was there anything else that you wanted to add or say or ask or mention or comment? Um, <laughs> about about that, I feel like that was like my main my main thing. Like I wrote notes down like six months ago when we first talked. I don't know if you remember, but I wrote down some notes that I wanted to tell you. So I don't know if I forgot those. <laughs> I feel so bad because like we kept having to put it off, and now like yeah, what was we were it? we were busy, and you got really busy. It was and the construction, the construction. Yeah, there was construction from, and I never got to sleep in because the construction would begin at like 6 a.m. and it wouldn't stop until it got dark outside. So there was never a good time for me to record with somebody. Uh, I was able to record like solo episodes really, really early in the morning or really, really late at night. And that's just what I had to do. I had a bunch of episodes that were lined up from um, when the pandemic first started. But they were putting up this whole apartment building next door and they're still not done. Like now they're doing stuff on the inside. So there's lots of just hammering that I hear, like trucks backing up and pulling off. It's it's annoying. So you'll hear a little bit of that at the beginning of this podcast. But um, okay. outside of that, like uh, it's it's nice that we were finally able to sit down and do this, especially after now you've had a little more experience. You're a little yeah. more pregnant, and yeah. I feel like perhaps I don't know. I don't know if your demeanor is different at all. Um, since we didn't have a conversation like this in this much detail, but yeah, you seem peaceful. You seem at peace about it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, um, I don't know if this is important at all, but it's a big part for me. Um, I do have depression and I have been getting it treated, uh, as a therapist and a psychiatrist and that has helped me a lot. And I think that is one of the things that surfaced with the pandemic that I've had high functioning depression for a long time. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of high functioning depression. I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah, uh, but I didn't want to admit it. I just wanted to say it was anxiety. And so until the pandemic happened, I was basically stuck at home. I had to like look for, seek for help. Um, actually deal with it which has been I guess it has helped me to be kinder to myself because I don't have to hide that anymore like I have I don't have to be ashamed of like the mental health stigma around depression so I actually um I wrote down a whole story did you cover and it all? I covered it all. Good. Yes. Oh, well, well, this one part. I don't know if this would be helpful, but... So, basically, I got an outbreak on a Thursday. I went to the doctor on a Friday. And then they did the swab test. So, I had the whole weekend wondering if I had herpes or not. And the whole weekend, I was, like, very worried and... And I, that's when I started to look for support groups. So when I came back, um, it said that it was positive for herpes type 1, vaginally. And so 
yeah, that's when I wanted to disclose to everyone because I felt responsible for them. So, yeah. So we did get it off. We did. Good. Um, so it sounds like you're dealing with your depression in a healthy manner, your high-functioning depression. Uh, <clears throat> what's what's really changed for you like since your diagnosis and now being treated with a therapist and psychologist, psychiatrist? So I've, I've had a psychologist for like two or three years now, but ever since, I feel like ever since the pandemic and actually having to slow down and sit down with my thoughts and realize that something really isn't right. Um, I feel like it has just helped me to realize like, it's okay to have emotional pain. Although at a certain time in my life, I thought that it wasn't okay to have depression. Now it's better that I admit it to myself and I work with it instead of against it. Um, because I can't allow myself to get to know myself instead of trying to make myself be someone who I'm not necessarily that person. Um, and like, you know, I just had this idea of like wanting to be like one of my idols or like people who like I think that are amazing. But the truth is that they have their own struggles too. Maybe they even have depression too. Um, but they are getting it, like, you know, they may be getting it treated, they may not have depression at all, but they are just themselves, and in me wanting to be like them, um, the best thing I can do is just be myself and work with me, with who I am, what I've been through, and heal through that, yeah. I like that, uh, working with it, not, the, not against it. Uh, yeah. In a lot of minority communities, like, I remember as a kid, you know, hearing my grandparents say, ain't nothing wrong with you, you just need to go outside, you know, and I felt like even though they didn't know that it was depression and we didn't have access to or knowledge about the importance of connecting with a counselor or a therapist or talking about, you know, trauma that was there yeah they knew something because them thinking that we were bored and we just needed to enter entertain ourselves some kind of way was medicine like it was the most affordable treatment that we had you know to get sunlight yeah. to go and be a kid like forget about being still and being bored you know it wasn't depression it was boredom and it wasn't treated with a therapist it was treated with friendship play so there's something yeah. that can be there's something there to be taken into consideration um of course in adulthood you know when we recognize it as we're more i'm i don't know about you but like um i am one of the earliest first people in my family to have gone to and finished college and you know coming out of that uh i have a lot more understanding and uh education and information about some yeah. of the you know traumatizing things that I've seen some not normal stuff that I've always just thought to be normal 
So coming out of that, I can go back and look at it and be like, oh, this is what they were. This is what they were doing. They didn't know, and exactly treated accordingly. Yeah, exactly. They. Sorry, there's a dog barking outside. <laughs> it's okay. <but> it, um, <coughs> That's true. That's another thing. Bless you. So I just feel like it's given me also compassion for my parents and anybody who didn't have access to mental health before because they had no idea how to deal with it. They just has they just had to like push forward and keep going because if you say no, you you can't give up. You just have to keep going. And so, like, all those feelings are hidden, and then that's when people become mean, that's when people become rude, or they just create trauma in other people. That's mm -hmm. what happened to me. And so, now growing up and realizing that maybe they were more hurt than anything, it's just allowed me to, to see them with different eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I thank you for being patient with me and finally having this interview with me. I'm so happy that we were able to do this. I get to see your smiling, glowing face and congratulate you. you once again on your pregnancy and congratulations on your progress. Congratulations on finishing school and for going after going after the things that you want. Thank you. It's really nice to see you too. I always see your posts and I like I like to look at your Instagram posts and all that. I think it's pretty cool. Thank you. Everything that you do. I appreciate so. that. Well, yeah. uh, I'll let you go, and then I'll close out this episode. So um, I'll check in with you once uh, I get done here. I'll let you listen to the episode, and you can tell me yay or nay, and I can get this posted. Okay. Thank you. I hope you feel better. I'll, yeah, I will. Did you have um did you have some warm something warm to drink? Uh I got this cold water. So I'm like past that point now. Um the worst of okay. it's over. Like the first five days, six days were intense body aches and uh I was cold. Uh now I just got like a sore throat, weird sound, not necessarily a cough, but I'm like clearing my throat pretty often. Um Okay. So, yeah, and I've just been sleeping. It's <laughs> good. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, I'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, we'll be in touch. All right, Liz. I hope you feel better. Thank you. Thank have, you, Courtney. Have a good one. You too. Bye. All right, so as you can hear, my voice sounds weird because yesterday, what's today, the 23rd or 24th? Today has to be... Today is the 24th of September. Uh, last night, I tested positive for COVID. I am on day 11 from the first symptom I had. I haven't been going to work. I've just been at home. And um, I used Let's Get Checked <laughs> to get my test mailed in. So I don't have a car. So I didn't want to uh, put anybody at risk by Ubering or getting anyone to take me or going out in public. So I just really been staying my black ass in the house all this time since, uh, last Sunday, um, when I first started to show symptoms and it was just body aches and me being real cold. So 
Um, I went on ahead and went to trylogic.com without the vowels slash SPFPP, and I ordered a COVID test. It was $119. Um, I ordered it on, I think I might have ordered it on a Tuesday night. So uh, I didn't do rest shipping. Um, it came to me on the following Monday morning or no Monday evening it was on Monday evening I took the test on Tuesday morning and then I sent it off and I got my results back on Wednesday evening uh, positive for COVID-19 um, I'm okay the this is something I'll talk about um, on an episode I'm gonna have our guests from the COVID-19 and herpes podcast episode um, she's gonna come back I interviewed her while she had it and I wanted to do a follow-up with her to talk about how returning back to work was and any sort of stigmatization or parallels between having that virus and this virus. So look out for that soon. But uh, stay home if you're sick. Um, I've just been going to work. Um, Everyone, the two people that I will have been in, I would have been in contact with uh, between the contact period and testing or having my first symptoms, um, I notified them. Um, let's get checked called me the one of the nurses called me the following morning first thing uh, let me know uh, I was positive and asked if I had any questions which I had a lot Uh, my questions were answered and um, I learned that different states are doing different things so from the time of your first symptom some some people are saying go to work at 10 days after that some are saying 14 days some are saying 10 days after your test 14 days after your test so to be safe, uh, I'm going to get tested again. So like I said, it was day, right now it's day 11 at the point of this recording. Um, and so when I uh, I tested positive, and so I'm going to wait until probably a week from now before I get another test done and see if I'm negative. So if I'm negative, I'll be back to work uh, and back to normal, I guess. So. I'm okay. I appreciate everyone who's checked in with me and asked how I was and um, everyone who (laughs) hooked me up with like deliveries and stuff. So by the time this goes up, it'll be I'll I'll be long past it. But I will say like the hardest part of this whole process for me was being in denial that it was COVID because of my symptoms and they weren't like what I expected, which was trouble breathing more than anything. So I'm grateful that I didn't have to go to the doctor Um, a month ago. uh, My great uncle passed away from COVID. He had a lot of other health conditions and um, and just seeing how it impacted their family. I don't know how I would have really handled it differently if I knew that I had it while I was in the midst of the worst part of the process, like the worst part of the symptoms. Um, I think I would have been a lot more scared uh, so my, my ignorance, my obliviousness, denial really helped me get through the hardest part of this, which was uh, the worst <laughs> of it, which were the body aches. So um, I'm grateful that I made it and grateful to still be here. Um, I've been using this time to really self-reflect and make adjustments to the things that I can make adjustments to. Like, you know, um, I've made some changes to the H on my chest Instagram page. My Twitter page is now personal. It's still H on my chest if you want to connect or get in contact with me, but you won't see you won't see something positive for positive people contact or uh, content on the Twitter page unless it's posted through Tumblr. So um, 
yeah, y'all, I I made it. <laughs> At this point, I made it. So, um, continue to wear masks. Like, and even since the funeral, like I, I honestly wasn't taking this nearly as seriously as I should have before uh, I found out about my uncle's passing. And after that was when I began to be more serious about it. Um, I just limited my trips to the grocery store. I limited my exposure to people. Obviously, I have to go to work um, and I have to get groceries and things like that. But outside of that, like that was my only contact with people. So this to me really just seems like an almost inevitable thing. So do what you can to take care of yourselves and take care of your family. Um, I'll be in isolation at least until October 1st for sure, uh, just to be safe. So I'll be continuing to pump out these podcasts because I ain't doing shit else. I'm going to go through my yoga teacher training and I'm going really in depth with uh, the yamas and the yamas right now. And I'm going to work through uh, the other eight limbs of yoga. Uh, so I'm going to be a bomb ass teacher by the time that November rolls around and I'm certified. So hopefully I'll take my classes again. I can't stress this enough. The something positive for positive people podcast support. It's not support group. The Something Positive for Positive People podcast group. It's private and it's for people who listen to the podcast. It's not exclusive to people with herpes. Like I want to bring in people. I want people to feel that same sense of community that I want to uh, that I have on Instagram. Like it's not just people with herpes. It's also sex educators. It's people who are sex positive. I want memes to be shared, community to be built, networking to happen, friendships to be made, people to date, people to hook up and have casual sex if that's what they want to do people to find long-lasting relationships and get married and be monogamous if that's what they want to do but this is a matter of creating the community that i feel is what we need to expand on right now so just message me on facebook tell me you want to be in a group or you can search the group and join it this is the only way that i'm promoting it it's through the podcast so if people are in there it's because they at least at one point listen to the podcast all right, to support us, please visit www.spfpp.org. You can have, there's three options as far as making donations go on the homepage. You can donate via Venmo, via PayPal, or you can become a Patreon subscriber. You do not get anything for being a Patreon subscriber. Uh, I don't believe in making exclusive content around this. So if you're supporting via Patreon, it's just because you like me. Um, everything else that I'm doing, you can get on the Instagram page at HR My Chest or in the Facebook group where I plan to be more active there um, and engage with the people who listen to the podcast. Uh, I guess that's it, y'all. Till next time, stay sex positive.